Hi friends, I'm Molly, your host today, and welcome back to Relief from Darkness, where we are continuing our conversations exploring how we can truly be set free from the stuck places of our lives. And we are calling a stuck place anything ranging from complex trauma to addiction to anxiety to depression, because here at No Boundaries, we really do believe that the thought processes that have us in these stuck places can be changed. And as these thought processes start to change, our brains start to change. And if you change your brain, well, then of course you change your life. So this is super exciting. We are in the middle of our CPR series. So if you've been listening to this podcast for a while, you know that in every episode we reference something called CPR. And so we've taken a little bit of a turn to where we're really diving into what does CPR even really mean with practical application. So we have talked about the C meaning connection, and we've talked about connection with God, connection with ourselves and connection with others. And then we went into the psychoeducation, which is the P and under psychoeducation, we talked about brain basics. We talked about the Amalama oh, Ding Dong. The amygdala. This is Lori's favorite part. We talked about top-down anxiety. We talked about bottom-up anxiety. And we talked about the reticular activating system. RAS. Also known as the RAS. Yes. And so now we have been in R under routine. So last episode, we talked about... Um, self-care. Self-care. And today, we are going to be talking about reframing. Yes. So with that, Dr. Lori, what is reframing? Reframing is absolutely fabulous. This is so good. And the reason why I think this is one of my favorite things under the R in routine is because this is a lot of brain basics that we're going to pull back in to reframing. And so there are several different ways that we could describe reframing. And so I want to describe it in one that may be more of kind of the Christianese, and that would be to establish a redemptive perspective on suffering. As hard as it may be, Molly Buck, we have to find what could be a positive thing on the other side. Mm -hmm. And so because that happened, I will be able to. But I'm not really that excited about that definition. I would rather say we're going to find a narrative that takes out the sting. Yeah. You like that better? Yeah, I do. Okay. That's good. And so I want everybody to realize that, and the whole premises of this uh, CPR is that we're all going to end up in a pit at some point. We're going to, and all of us even right now, we're either in a pit, on the way out of a pit, or approaching a pit, or know somebody who's in the middle of a pit. So there's a whole lot of pit going on right now <laughs> in the world. And so in the middle of that, then based on your pits, I want you to remember... <laughs> <laughs> it's just good, isn't That's it? It's so funny. <laughs> yes. I want you to remember that you've survived, that if you're being triggered from something in the past, that it's being brought up as an invitation. And now that you have this information, I think God would allow these things to be brought up. And you may be thinking, why are these things being brought up? Well, it's because he wants to heal you. And now you actually have the tools to heal. And then the pits, it's really important for us to remember that it, the pits are never given to us by God, and we're not meant to continue to carry it. Now, carrying it means that we're triggered by our past, that it's not about this, this reframing is not about going back into our past. It's actually about being really present in the present tense and 
dealing with our brain that has been activated and stimulated in an alert system warning because we've associated something in the present with something in the past. And usually that happens in our senses with smells or touch or taste or, or what we, what we feel or what we feel on the inside. And so we have to heal from those things. And so our brain is so beautiful that we were able to survive the horror or we were able to survive, survive the pit. But what we had to do to survive was the beauty of Christ who created our brain that way so that we could in fact survive. But now that we have this information, you may, may you may have should have aborted these podcasts a long time ago, because now that you have this information, if you continue in the old patterns, if you don't reframe, mm. then it's actually going to be idolatry that you're going to say that he's not enough and he's enough for us to reframe anything that's happened to us. And so again, remember, we're going to define reframing as finding a narrative that takes out the sting. And so our wound is not our fault, probably, but our healing is our responsibility. And so in order to reframe, we actually have to activate our alarm system in our brain. And when we activate, then we investigate. We realize as we investigate that we're triggered by something in the past that needs to be reframed. If we don't put language to speechless terror, that speechless terror in this analogy just kind of floats around on the outside until something in our environment reminds us of that thing without us cognitively knowing what's happening, we're triggered. And there's a whole lot of triggers going on, Molly Buck. Yeah. I was thinking about, you know, we have a tagline at No Boundaries International. It says, loving others well since 2006. And I thought maybe we could make a shirt and put that on the front. But then on the back, we could put triggering others well since 2006. I've never heard anything more accurate in my life. (laughs) Yes. And so triggers are happening. So when the trigger happens, what we have to do is we have to know that there's speechless stare that's floating around that something has triggered me, that I'm reacting in the present in the way that I reacted in the past, and I need to stay in the present, and I need to investigate and make sure that I'm not in danger. And as I investigate and realize that I'm not in danger, that if I just try to do some kind of a coping mechanism, like go run five miles or go... uh go eat lots of ice cream, eventually the cortisol and the things that have caused my body to trigger itself will will get out of my blood system and I'll come back down, but I actually haven't healed my brain. To heal my brain, I actually have to reframe it. I have to have a new narrative of what happened. I have to give language to that thing so that the sting will be taken out of it. And so today, that's what we're talking about. And I think it's really a beautiful, miraculous process. And so Molly, I think it'd probably be good if we just give give them an example. Yeah. So this one, uh, I really like reframing because this is kind of combining all of the things that we've talked about so far. Uh So this takes the connection portion and the psychoeducation and kind of combines them into one 
area of the routine, which mm-hmm. is, I guess, why we've titled it CP and R. Mm-hmm. But which is brilliant. That brilliant. <laughs> Absolutely. <laughs> yes. So I know this process very well. Um, and in particular, the thing that pops up is the time that um, I couldn't shower. Mm-hmm. And, you know, like, and I've kind of mentioned it on the podcast here before, but I'm just going to dive a little bit deeper into it. So when I was um, in my past, I was sex trafficked. And in that, there was always this kind of um, a moment before whenever you've like turned on the shower and it signaled in my brain that we were getting ready, like you're getting ready to go and be with someone or Afterwards, you turn on the shower and it would signal in my brain that we're washing off from whatever just happened. And so in my, you know, 16-year-old adolescent mind, then that started, uh, that was the new narrative and the only narrative that I had suddenly. So that carried on to into adulthood. And so anytime that I'd be getting ready to go take a shower, I was just overcome with anxiety, Mm -hmm. which now we would know is bottom up, Mm -hmm. right? Bottom-up anxiety. I'm hearing the water go. So all of a sudden, remember, our brain is organized for survival and simplicity. So for survival, her brain organized that so that she doesn't have to think about it. All she knows is that now with a, do the noise again. So now with the shower, then that noise actually activates her arm along. Oh my gosh, you have me saying it. it. It's the amygdala. Excuse me. It's the amygdala, amygdala, amygdala. So her amygdala is activated and that's what happens because she has to now bring her subconscious behaviors to the conscious present and she has to reframe it and then she'll have to do it X amount of times. And that time, those amount of times could be a long time knowing the new narrative of the reframing until eventually the new behavior pattern with the new neural pathways become subconscious and she won't have to think about it anymore. Back to you. So back to you. So this was what was happening every time. And so just overwhelmed with anxiety. I'm getting ready to take a shower and I just couldn't figure it out. But here's what I do know is to go back to CPR, literally this, Mm -hmm. I was connected with others. I was connected with a team at No Boundaries that had wrapped around me and they just kind of brought me in and they said, hey, why aren't you showering? Mm -hmm. And then I started exploring this and I had to get into connection with God and say, Jesus, is there anything that you want to reveal to me? And that's when it was revealed that every time I would start the shower, then all of those emotions from being trafficked would just come flooding back in. So here's what happened, you guys. They were like, well, let's just worship through it or try something. And I was just not about it until I was ready, right? The It's your responsibility to heal. Mm-hmm. And um, But it started with I was getting ready to take a shower, and I was like, man, this sucks. And, you know, I would shower every about 7 to 10 days, and that was on a good Like that was on a good kick. And that stinks. Yeah, literally. (laughs) And I had gotten online because I was just like, I don't have to take a shower if I don't want to. Just right. Pride. I'll just go ahead and say that. Mm -hmm. Um, (laughs) So I went online and I Googled like reasons why I don't have to take a shower. And I will tell you guys, just if you're listening, you can find anything for or against whatever your case is on the Internet. And so... 
I mean, the world is happy to tell you exactly what you want to hear. And this is why you have to take things to Jesus and take things to biblical truths. Mm-hmm. Um, so I got online and it was just this this forum I found. And it's just all these women who had trauma in a bathroom that, or trauma in a shower that were just like, yeah, you don't have to take a shower because like the world will give you permission to sit in your hurts and to sit in whatever as long as you want because it hurts. But at some point, it's your responsibility to heal. And so I was going through it and I was looking at it and I was like, man, this is sad. And so I kept reading and suddenly this desire that I had to, to you know, give me a reason why I didn't have to take a shower, it started to break my heart. And I was like, oh my gosh, there are hundreds and hundreds of women in this forum who have commented their trauma story. And I was like, wait a second, I'm in Christ. And do I really believe, do I really believe what, what Jesus says to be true? And that I don't have to carry the things of the past that it's really on the cross. And can I really like actually forgive? And then can I really just release all my hurts and all my stuff? And I was like, yeah, I think I can. And this is what I would want for these women to walk in freedom, to know that they don't have to be in bondage to the things that have happened to him, that that's not, that's not their story and that's not their identity. So I was like revving myself up and I was like all worked up now because I was really upset that other people were hurting. And um, I was house sitting at the time and I was looking at these dogs and they were looking at me and I was like, you guys, okay, I'm going to do it. I'm going to take a shower. And they're, you know, just looking at me. And I really, at some point, I was like, you know what? This is it. And I was like, this is one small shower for Molly Buck and (laughs) one giant shower for the kingdom of heaven. I was like, this is to take back territory for all the women who've ever gone through a traumatic event in the shower that we're reclaiming this and taking that ground back, that this is not okay. And so I was like, all right, Lord. And so I got in the shower and I said, okay, Jesus, but now I need, I need to see, I need the connection with God portion. What I need, like, where are you? What are you saying to me? What is happening? How can I hear your voice? What am I feeling? And this is, you guys, this is whenever he, this is when he spoke truth. And he said, you see, Molly, the thing is, is actually, um, I had always designed showers for you to be a place that you would come and you would you would wash off all the lies that you brought on from the day that were against you, who you are and your identity. And you'd wash those things off so that you would be prepared to step back out into the world clean and clothed in truth and present yourself and present me well to the world. But that was, that was the truth. And what happened was, is that world, the worldview of it just kind of got a little bit twisted. It got twisted with sin and it got twisted with trauma. And then that narrative got tainted. And in this, in this moment, you know, Jesus said, Molly, there's a lot of correct information out there, but then there's truth. Meaning the correct information that it did feel like I was preparing for something and it did feel like I was washing off from something. And that is correct. But truth, Jesus is the truth. And when he said that it was actually to, to prepare you to present yourself to the world and to wash off the lies, now that's the new narrative that I have. Wow. And I had to get that narrative in my brain and I had to do it over and over uh-huh. and over again. And now I shower just fine. 
But for a little while there, it's still like when you hear the when you hear that sound for a little bit, I had to say, hold on. Like, Jesus, I'm I'm choosing to think about how you are going to wash the lies off of me and present me to the day. So, wow. Yeah. Such a good example. And so I love what she talked about is that we can have a new narrative, but let's have the truth narrative. Mm-hmm. Let's not stop at a new narrative that's enough to change our brain. Let's get Jesus in the middle of it. And it's beautiful. And so here's the process. So anytime we're triggered, we need to celebrate. Because if we don't deal with the stuff, then don't think it's not going to come back around. And and it will. And so every time that you're triggered, you have actually an opportunity for you to flip your lid, for your amygdala to activate, the smoke detectors going off in your brain. And as you activate, you investigate, and then you get the new narrative, Jesus's truth. And then eventually with that new narrative, the feeling doesn't go away immediately, but you go ahead and you push through. So then Molly gets on it. We talked about uh, schedules and we talked about self-care last last podcast so she gets on a shower routine and now she's time it's time to take a shower if her brain activates she investigates and then she tells her brain oh no brain remember when we went to Jesus Jesus said this is the narrative and the narrative Molly Buck is that now I'm getting prepared for the day and I'm washing off all of the old lies and things that try to come against my identity. And then she goes ahead with the cortisol that's already shot through her body because her brain is activated. And she goes ahead with the feelings anyway and takes a shower and she cognitively thinks about Jesus in preparation for the day with Jesus in that shower. And she does it day after day, or actually if it's she's not on the day schedule, maybe every other day, or <laughs> let's just say she does it shower after shower, shower after shower after shower until eventually then her brain will file showers as safety and in her subconscious and she won't have to think about it anymore. Now, has that happened yet? Or do you still have to sometimes take showers with it activated? Yeah, no, I don't really think it's about done. it at all anymore, yeah. actually. Now, so I don't like showering, not so much because I'm triggered and traumatized, but just because it's a literal chore. Yeah. So it's just scrub-a-dub-dub and everything is as good as usual. Yeah. Okay. But back to the point. If she chooses not to, if she goes ahead and doesn't deal with it, if she doesn't celebrate the trauma, if she activates, if she doesn't investigate, if she doesn't get a new narrative, if she doesn't reframe it with Jesus, with Jesus's truth, not just something that's good, and then works through the process, then it's just going to come up. You guys, you can't bury it. You can't suppress it. You can't repress it. And in fact, It takes so much energy not knowing when you're going to be activated and just to hold the stuff down or try to control the environment or to hope that you can manage throughout the day with the cortisol that shoots periodically through your body is just miserable. Mm -hmm. And that brings me to our extracurricular activities at No Boundaries International. (laughs) So when we're doing things... We're really doing things. We work hard and we play hard. And so it reminds me of the time that we were in Nepal and we decide, as most people would do in Nepal, that we're going to jump off the Himalaya mountain. So Molly, 
take it up from there. Yeah, man. So this was my first international trip. <laughs> and I'm so excited, right? And Dr. Lori's like, okay, in our free time, you can choose like whatever the things were. It was like jump off the mountain or go on a little plane or oh, paraglide off the mountain. Yes. And so um I was like, okay, yeah, I want to paraglide off the mountain. Like, duh. And I like adrenaline. I like that rush. So uh, I remember we took a bus ride up the mountain and then we get to the top and the the guy, the dude or whatever, like the pilot, I guess, technically, um, he straps me in and like, you're kind of sitting on like a little swing, like in front of him, but you're strapped to the pilot and then you're both strapped to the parachute, which that's a good thing. That's a very good thing. You want to be strapped to the parachute. So he clips me in and then all of a sudden we're running off this mountain. And so I don't have a lot of time to think, but I'm just like that, like something doesn't feel right. And then there we go off the mountain and we're doing, you know, the little twirly things down and up and down and into the clouds and swinging. It was so much fun. And I remember it being a whole bunch of fun, but then afterwards I was so dysregulated and so just like overstimulated. And I remember everything being very, very bright. I can't tell you um, really anything about the ride home or mm-hmm. what we did to get back to the hotel. But I do know that then later the whole team was going um, was going to do some mission work and visit like a, a kid's home. And I... I didn't go, which is very weird for me. If I normally, if I choose to like stay home, especially in a different country where I love experiences, like that should signal something's really wrong in my brain that something is off. And so, what I did, you guys, is they all went and did something. And then I remember I just got under a whole bunch of blankets and I laid in the bed and I just piled pillows on top of me. And my thing is, then I lay very, very, very still. Wow. And wait. Yeah. And so, again, it's about personality. So I've paraglided. And so I was taking, actually, a helicopter to the Annapurna base camp in the middle of the Himalayas while Molly was doing this. But so she and I, we don't hesitate to jump off of whatever we can jump off uh, with adrenaline and with being active and being around people. But I just chalked it all up to the cortisol with one of our other team members. She had about that kind of reaction, but it was because she didn't like heights and she didn't like jumping off of a mountain. So her body screamed and she activated and flipped her lid because it's not really normal to jump off of a mountain unless you're somebody like Molly or I. And so we didn't realize what was actually going on. And now... Fast forward to another extracurricular activity at No Boundaries two years later, and let's put these two stories together. Yeah. So then, so that was um, a little while ago. And so then two years later, you know, I just kind of filed it as whatever. Like that was weird that I felt like I just wanted to be alone. It was weird that I piled all those blankets and was dysregulated, but just thought, you know, let's just move on and have fun on the trip. So didn't really investigate. My flipped and I, I activated and I didn't investigate. So then here I am two years later and coach is like, do you want to go? Do you want to go rock climbing? And I'm like, yeah, like I do want to go rock climbing. And so we went to an indoor rock climbing place because that's the new thing that we're doing. 
and we go and, and they have you put on a harness, like, right, which you want to put a harness on when you're rock climbing. like <laughs> Especially that. at the walls that we're doing. Correct. And especially at my skill level, like I need that. So there we go. And they hand you the harness and I put it on you guys and I started to put it on and then my lid flipped or my brain activated. My smoke alarm was firing. Mm-hmm. My llama was ding-donging. Amygdala. And it was firing on all cylinders. And I was like, whoa. And like I remember like moving away from the group. I remember just quickly like putting it on and then in my own brain because I had done this for a while now of just like I need to put a pin in that because something isn't right. And then I, you know, strapped in and went rock climbing and just said, I'll deal with that later. That was fun. Um, Let's just put a pin in it. So we went rock climbing, had a great time. I loved it. And then even then, um, once I put the pin in, I still didn't ever take it out until I was having nightmares. Mm Mm-hmm. And I was like, man, you guys, I'm not sleeping very good suddenly. And I, it's been a couple of weeks and I just, my sleep cycles off. And in my brain, that's, that's a pretty good sign that something's off mm-hmm. is I'm having nightmares and I'm just a little bit on edge. And so the team was like, well, what was the last thing? Or can you talk yourself back from when was the trigger? And I was like, oh, well, I was putting on my harness to go rock climbing and I put a pin in that, but surely that can't be it. Sure enough, there it was. And so then we sat down and here, like the narrative that I had that needed to be reframed was in just in trafficking, then harnesses meant like a bondage type thing, Mm -hmm. which was not fun. And so we sat down and Lori said, okay, can we just go ahead and draw and like draw the thing? And then where's Jesus? And which is reframing, which is reframing. So you draw. So like get in your senses. What were you feeling? What were you seeing? What were you smelling? And then get in it safely. And then you put you draw it like you're watching it on television or like you're seeing like you're doing a picture from an outside perspective. And then once you're in it, because if your brain has to flip and your brain has to fire, then you have to be experiencing for a second the pain. And then you say, okay, Jesus, where are you? And you guys, I I had drawn me it with like just sitting there and I had little tiny arms, like just no arms basically. And then when I drew <laughs> little T-Rex yes, arms, I had little T-Rex arms and just like straps around me. And whenever we inserted Jesus into the picture, I just saw him and he just said, had really, really long arms, like really long arms. And I was like, this is what I'm seeing. And Dr. Lori was like, we ask him what he's saying. Like, what is Jesus saying to you? Like, why are his arms so long? And I was like, he said that I'm never out of reach. So to never be out of reach means that then in that lifestyle, I was never out of reach. And here now I'm never out of reach. Wow. And the cool thing, the super cool thing about Jesus, you guys, is that he's outside of time. And so he can insert himself into any into any uh, place on our timeline in our life, and then that just makes it how it is. So when I'm seeing that picture, and then he says, "Hey, you're never out of reach." Now that's what my brain goes to 
when I think about harnesses. I'm actually like, oh man, I'm so loved by Jesus. Like wow. he's so near to me. What a perfect example. And in fact, as soon as we slow down enough, we're all going to join the rock climbing gym for a month and I'm going to get Molly Buck, <laughs> her harness. And so beautiful, beautiful analogy. Now, let me just reiterate just a few things. So if I would ask Molly to just tell me, then she wouldn't be able to tell me because the trauma was stored in a midbrain level on the imagination level. So I needed her to have a picture of it. So she could close her eyes and get a picture or she could draw a picture. And so that's why she needed to draw. And so then when she drew that, that's when we move it from the midbrain, which is considered our heart. We move it from our heart to our intellect and give it a narrative. And that's a reframing process. And it's beautiful. And so as you heard that if we just have coping mechanisms and she had coping mechanisms now, so we've been in this process long enough that she can put a pin in it, as she said, and suck it up buttercup and go ahead and do the activity. But if she doesn't get to the root of it, the coping mechanisms will get us through for the time, but it won't heal. Mm -hmm. And God in his fullness and in his sovereignty and in his beauty wants us healed. And so then the things started to pop up during her sleep cycles in with nightmares. And so again, if you remember back into the self-care and the routine, that nightmares and irregular sleep cycles could be a side effect of trauma. And all of that is absolutely beautiful. So we activate, we investigate it. If you can't deal with it right then, then you put a pin in it, but you have to come back to it. Then you have to have a new narrative. And to get that narrative, you have to access the middle part of your brain. You can't intellectualize it. You can't make sense out of it. You have to draw it. You have to get into the middle of it with what did it look like? What did it taste like? What did it feel like? What did it feel like inside of me? What did I hear? All of those sensory questions. And that's when she drew her picture. And then again, we could have uh, something that's okay, and facts, she survived all of that, but she wants truth. She mm -hmm. needs Jesus's narrative. And Jesus's narrative is she is never out of his reach. And that's beautiful. That's what actually changes our brain. And when she gets a narrative of this, then she's actually able to file this in her filing system in her brain as a past memory. And eventually she will no longer be triggered by these things. Yeah. This, my friends, is reframing. And it is just a demonstration of the beauty of how Jesus made our brains so that no matter what happens to us, we can walk out of those things and not be impacted in a negative way forever. So reframing is this is so close to my heart because this is the the thing that um that people say with PTSD that will haunt you forever mm -hmm. or that you can't heal from. And that I'm just here to tell you guys, that's just a lie. It's not true. God can heal anything and he does. And when Jesus shows up in the middle of the PTSD or in the middle of the flashback or in the middle of whatever, and it files away and then suddenly you're set free, it's, it's not, it's like nothing I've never experienced before. And if we want to talk about the experiential knowledge of Christ, this is where I have experienced him the most. 
is whenever he's met me in a very real way. So just to kind of sum it all up, here's what I'm hearing. That if you find yourself kind of in this place where you're haunted by traumatic memories or flashbacks or nightmares or even feelings that just aren't good, you can reframe it and that Jesus can meet you in it. And then if you take a step back and you ask him what he's highlighting, and then you get a narrative and you activate the middle part of your brain with sensory questions and kind of get a good picture, and then you ask Jesus what his truth is, you get the correct information, and then you say, here's the correct information. Now, Jesus, you shine your truth on it and meet me here. He will. And we can reframe those things and file that memory now in the past so that it can't keep coming up to impact your future. And as we do that and incorporate that into our routine, then our brains start to change. And if you change your brain, then you change your life. So thank you guys for listening to Relief from Darkness. Again, this has been Routine Reframing. So until next time. Next time. Thank you guys so much for listening to our Relief from Darkness podcast. If you would like more information or are looking for more resources to help overcome the topics we've discussed here, please visit the No Boundaries International website at www.nbint.org, where we have a free e-course titled Journey of Restoration. And be sure to please leave us any comments or reviews as this will help get our content out to more listeners. We're praying for you guys and we will see you next time.